Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. In 1924, Witness Lee was dynamically saved by the Lord as a young man in his native China, and he promptly consecrated the rest of his life to the gospel. He co-labored with Watchman Nee for parts of the next three decades, and in 1962, Witness Lee was led by the Lord to come to the United States. During his 35 years of service to the Lord in America, he ministered in weekly meetings and weekend conferences, delivering thousands of spoken messages. Much of his speaking has since been published as more than 400 titles, many of which have been translated into numerous foreign languages. He gave his last public conference in February 1997 at the age of 91. We're happy today to be able to bring you recorded excerpts from his speaking and encourage you to contact us if you have any further questions or comments. Please send email to radio at lsm.org. Now, let's join today's program. Hebrews chapter 6 contains a severe and solemn warning. Christians for centuries have struggled with how to apply this word of righteousness and who to apply it to. The revelation of the divine speaking on this portion will be a word you will not want to miss on today's Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program furnished by Living Stream Ministry, and Dick Taylor is in the studio as we once again explore this tremendous book of Hebrews. Dick, another marvelous message today, dealing with the matter of the Sabbath rest. And to review just a little what we have seen regarding the Sabbath, it really is not related to whether or not we observe this day or another day. But this all together deals with God being satisfied in his expression, doesn't it? It sure does. I love these three words, Chris. Expression satisfaction, and rest, according to God's eternal purpose, which is to be expressed in man and through man, God only has satisfaction when this purpose is being fulfilled. When he's expressed, then he's satisfied. When he's satisfied, then he can really rest. In the beginning, when God created man in his image after his likeness, God was satisfied. He was satisfied. Why? Because he had the potential of someone who could express him by receiving his life. Therefore, he could rest. It was the seventh day he rested. So it's not really just a day, but it's a matter of God being satisfied and being able to rest because he has somebody who can express him. Eventually, man became fallen. God had no expression in humanity. So God himself in the Son became a man by the name Jesus Christ. This person, this marvelous God-man Jesus Christ, was the perfect expression of God. In this person, Christ, God could be fully satisfied because he's expressed adequately. And he could also be fully at rest. Yet his purpose is not fulfilled because God's desire is not just the one man, Jesus Christ, but that this man would be increased enlarged and expanded to become a corporate entity. This fulfills God's heart's desire. So when this Christ, after his death and resurrection, became a life-giving spirit, he could be sown into humanity and grow in humanity. This is the church. And this is another 
Sabbath. This is a real rest to the Lord. Why? Because in the church, God is expressed. He's thereby satisfied because it fulfills his original purpose, and he could be fully at rest. And eventually, the millennial kingdom, the Lord is expressed properly through the overcomers, and uh, so he could be satisfied, he could be fully at rest. And then ultimately, we have the New Jerusalem, where all believers are included, where God is properly, fully expressed, totally satisfied, and absolutely at rest for eternity. Thank you. Very, very good and concise review of where we've been. We have farther to go, so let's join Witness Lee now with today's live study on the remaining Sabbath rest. By the Lord's mercy, we all have seen what is the real meaning of the Sabbath rest in the Bible. In brief, it is just God's satisfaction in His heart desire. Anywhere, any place, if God is expressed and represented, God is satisfied. Then there is the rest. That is the Sabbath rest. For the Lord Jesus to come, the intention was just to get God declared, expressed, and represented. He mainly did it by himself, but that was just a model. Then, by his death and resurrection, the church was produced. The church eventually became the corporate expression of God and the corporate representation of God. So, the church life, no doubt, was a real Sabbath to God. But, we have seen, this was just the sowing and growing stage. In this stage, God's major job is to sow himself into mankind and to make this part of mankind the church, the body of Christ and the house of God. But we all have to see after this, there's something better. So I call that the harvest Sabbath and I call this the growing Sabbath. The second one will be better than the first one and the third one will be better than the second one. The good news. The best one, the third one, we have a share there. As long as you are a child of the Father, you have a share there. Isn't this good news? So you may say, Hallelujah, now I am at peace. But, (laughs) before, listen to this, before you'll be there, there is a little way you have to go. First of all, you have to go through the church. Then you have to go through the thousand years. God is wise. Our wise Father uses this church age and the millennial kingdom age as a way to make us mature. 
Dick, in recent programs, we've touched on three ages of the Sabbath rest, but these really came into focus in this portion. Say more, if you would, about the church age, the millennial kingdom, and the new Jerusalem as they relate to God's Sabbath rest. The church age, Chris, we could refer to as the sowing and the growing age. This means that Christ, after his death and resurrection, became a wonderful, life-giving spirit to sow himself into all of his people, not only to be sowed into us, but also to grow in us, so that in us and through us, in this church age, he could be expressed, he could be satisfied, and he could have his rest, which is the Sabbath rest of the church age. Then there is this second age called the Millennial Kingdom Age, or the Harvest Age, the Harvest Rest. This is something that would be partaken of only by those who participate in and really enjoy Christ in this first church age, as we would really be those who are filled with him, constituted with him, thereby expressing him in the oneness of his body, then we would be constituted overcomers. And the overcomers together are those who would enter into the Sabbath rest or the Millennial Kingdom rest. And this is a reward to all those who have enjoyed him in the church age. Ultimately, we have the uh, age of the New Jerusalem, which is the ultimate Sabbath rest. All the believers will be participating in this rest and in this enjoyment, because by this time, everyone will be perfected in their enjoyment and experience of Christ, and this matter of the Sabbath rest will reach its ultimate fulfillment, so that God and all of his believers together, as the New Jerusalem, are enjoying the ultimate rest, which is the Sabbath rest in eternity future. Dick, we touched on a very big and major topic. You identified it as the reward portion, the harvest portion, this millennial kingdom. It is a very significant factor to really understand these intricate matters of the Sabbath rest. Let's go back to Witness Lee as we get into this marvelous look at the reward portion of the Sabbath rest. In theology, there are two major schools, the Calvinian school and the Arminian school. The Calvinian school says it's all up to God's grace. Once you have been saved, you have been saved for eternity. There is a clear word by the Lord Jesus. I will give them the eternal life. And they should never, even they should have no means to perish. Even you want to perish, you have no means. You read your Bible. Do you believe in the Bible? Amen. You have to believe John 10, 20, 29. No doubt, Calvinism has a ground in the Bible. When they put out John 10, verses 28 and 29, what would you say? On this side, Calvinism is right. But Calvinism says you are saved for eternity, so there will be no problem. This last clause is too much. You are saved for eternity. That's okay. But don't say you have no problem. A lot of problem. Now, we come to Arminianism. The Arminians say, how could you say you are saved forever? How about Hebrew 
chapter 6. You are just like a piece of land. Drinks the rain. You should have grown vegetation. But instead, you grow up thorns. And you will be near to a curse. And be burnt. How could you come in and say, once you got saved, there will be no problem. Couldn't you see Hebrew saints and these people have tasted the gifts and they've been partaker of the Holy Spirit and then they fell away and they have no way to repent again and they will be burned? Is this not lost? In Hebrews, five warnings in this book all relate to the same thing. You have been saved, but you be careful. You will get in trouble to make the doctrine a little short. I would say this to you. The covenants overlook all these portions of the divine word concerning the prize and the punishment. And the armenians misused all the verses concerning the punishment. They consider these to be lost again. Both covenants and armenians couldn't reconcile the Bible. Because both of them didn't see the prize and the punishment. These truths of prize and punishment is a bridge that bridges the gap between the covenants and the amendment. Dick, this is a big topic, and we don't have time to cover it in depth in what we have remaining today, but at least give us a recap of these two schools of theology and why Hebrews presents a difficulty for both of them. And finally, what is meant by the concept of prize and punishment or reward and punishment in the context we're seeing today? Well, neither of these two schools of theology are actually correct. Calvinism does have a very solid base in that they say once you're saved, you are saved eternally. But they go too far by saying once saved, eternally saved, with no problems. This is not correct according to the word because this could cause a believer to live a careless Christian life. And this is not according to God's economy. So, in 1 Corinthians 3, for example, it says that if a person does not build with gold, silver, and precious stone, but rather with wood, grass, and stubble, it says eventually his work will be burned, yet he would be saved, yet so is through fire. Well, they would probably interpret this as a false believer. Many of the portions that are referring to prize and punishment or reward and punishment they say, are referring to false believers. 1 Corinthians 3 mentions that there is a believer whose work will be burned by fire. The problem with Calvinism is, most of the time when there's a kind of punishment related to believers, they consider that person was an unbeliever. And this is absolutely inadequate. So Calvinism falls short. On the other hand, Armenianism mentions that... Uh, a saved person can be lost again. And this is also a tragic thing. So many times in the portion, in the word, in a portion where it mentions that somebody would suffer a loss, they say that person lost their salvation. No, they are saved eternally. But the Lord has reserved a special period of time 
called the Millennial Kingdom Age. That is the age of the harvest, where some will not participate, but they will have to spend some time being matured and growing much more so that they could be ready for the ultimate Sabbath, which is the New Jerusalem. The main point is that we who are in the church age would realize that this is the growing Sabbath, and we need to be those who just enjoy Christ very much. The Father's desire is that we would enjoy his Son well during this age. Thereby we would grow and we would be receiving the reward of the millennial kingdom. We would receive the reward as an overcomer. But if we don't grow by enjoying his son well in this age, then we suffer a loss, we suffer a punishment. So rather than gaining the prize, we suffer a punishment. And we have to say, thank the Lord for the biblical truth. It's not either Calvinism or Arminianism, but it shows us the twofoldness of the divine truth, indicating that there is such a thing as being a genuine believer who is eternally saved but will suffer a definite loss if we do not enjoy God's Son well in this age. And the purpose of that is so that all of us would be matured in life and for eternity we would enjoy the ultimate Sabbath in the New Jerusalem. Here, God is fully expressed, fully satisfied, and eternally at rest. So these two schools are just not adequate, and they are misleading. We need the biblical truth that shows us the three ages, the sowing and growing age of the church age, the harvest age of the millennial kingdom, which will be enjoyed by those who have enjoyed God's Son well in this age, and then the ultimate age of the New Jerusalem, the ultimate rest, in which every one of God's children will participate for eternity. Dick, you touched the portion in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. In this coming session, we're going to hear Witness Lee take that portion and connect it to the warning in Hebrews 6. Here's Witness Lee. If you would be so careless, committing sins, you will suffer something. You will never be lost again. Even Hebrews 6 proves this. Hebrews 6 likens us to a piece of land. The piece of land that should grow the vegetation, but grows thorns. Then you will suffer the burning. You know, after the burning, the earth is still there. What is burned up is what it grows. What you do, or what you did, or what you will do. Again, the will of God will all be burned. But you will not be lost. The land could never be burned up. Not only so. Now let me turn you to one portion of the word. First Corinthians 3, 12 through 14. Now, if any man built upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, one category, another, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. What day? The day of the Lord's second coming. 
because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. It will not try how much it is. It will try what sort it is. If any man's work abide, surely this is the work of the gold, silver, and precious stone, which he has built upon, he shall receive, he shall receive what? So you see, here is not a matter of salvation. Here is a matter of reward. He shall receive a reward. That means a prize. If any man's work shall be burnt, tell me, what work will be burnt? Wood, hand, stuff. Many Christian work today is just like that. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall what? Suffer loss. Does this mean to suffer loss is to get yourself perished? Really. But he himself shall be saved. It's clear. No word is more clear than this. He shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved. Yet so, as through fair. Do you like to get saved through fair? This is neither Calvinism nor Arminianism. This is the Bible truth. Plus, to the grace of salvation, there will be a matter whether of pride, reward, or of a law. This is up to you. Only those who will receive a reward will be there in the coming Sabbath to enjoy that better Sabbath in God's fuller expression. And those who will suffer long as through fair, I have no confidence that they will enter into the coming Sabbath. Dick, we know that the book of Hebrews is a book of warnings, and the warnings are directed to believers here, not to unbelievers. That's correct. The idea that Christians could suffer loss in the coming age without losing their salvation is probably a difficult word, a hard word for many of our listeners, our dear brothers and sisters in the Lord, who are not accustomed or used to this interpretation. But really, we would entreat all of the serious Christians to go back to the word and check these verses with your experience, this is really the only way that all of these verses fit. It seems the Calvinists have to take out some verses and the Armenians have to leave out some to make it fit their theology. But this appears really to be the clear speaking of the divine revelation, doesn't it? It sure does. Isn't it wonderful, Chris, to not have to leave out any verses, to skip verses or just say, Forget about those verses. We can include the entire divine revelation. We love the biblical truth. A big help is this third warning in the book of Hebrews about being brought on to maturity. Chapter 6, verse 1 says, Therefore, leaving the word of the beginning, let us be brought on to maturity. So it's all a matter of growing and maturing. 
It is very fair. Our God is righteous. Our God is fair. He has sown himself into us. He's growing in us. He wants all of us to reach maturity. If we don't, we have to pay some price to the point where we become mature. So I like the fact that in addition to God's gracious salvation, there is the matter of receiving a prize or suffering a loss. To receive the prize is to enjoy the better Sabbath. And those who suffer loss are saved, yet as through fire, they will miss that Sabbath. But that does not mean they are lost as persons. The good point is, uh, like in Hebrews, it mentions a piece of land. It may grow something very nice, some good vegetation, but if it grows thorns and thistles, they will be burned. But you know when a fire comes, the land is not destroyed, only the things that were brought forth from the land. So the person is not destroyed. This is not a destruction of the person, but this is a destruction of the works of that person. This is a burning of the works of that person. But the person is saved through fire. So the Lord's desire is that all of us would be preserved. Even his punishment is for our preservation and is that all of us eventually could be with him in the ultimate Sabbath of the new Jerusalem. So our God is righteous, he's fair, he's loving. It says in Hebrews, uh, whom he loves, he disciplines. So all that he does is to bring us all the way on to maturity. We're in the sowing and growing Sabbath of the church age. We want to enjoy him well, let him grow in us. But if we don't allow him to grow... He must put us through a period of time in which we mature. Through the growing Sabbath, that is this age now, by enjoying Christ, we get ushered into the harvest Sabbath, which is the millennial kingdom rest. So let us be brought on to maturity. You will not be lost, but your work would be burned, and you will not be ready for the millennial kingdom age, which is the harvest age. But every believer will be ready for eternity future in the new Jerusalem. It's not a matter of works, but it's a matter of enjoying the divine life we've received and that has been sown into us and a matter of growing. So the Lord's desire is not that we will be rewarded because of our works, but we would be rewarded because we have allowed him to grow and to mature in us as the divine life. Dick, a big topic today. Big topic. We'll be back to it again, and we can assure our listeners in the coming days, this matter will be touched again. Dick, a major portion today. Absolutely. Come back very soon and, and join us again for the Life Study of Hebrews. I'd love to, Chris. And thank you very much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with Witness Lee. I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. We have these recorded studies on every book of the Bible, available to you online, free of charge. Just visit our website, lsmradio.com. You can download the MP3 files, stream them live, or add them to your podcast subscriptions, all at no charge. Once more, the website, lsmradio.com. To contact us, send email to radio at lsm.
www.lifestudy.org or call us at one triple eight life study that's 888 543 3788 thanks for listening today